Welcome to Crazy Tech Stories, where Hacker Noon brings you a handful of stories from the community at large. I'm Derek Bernard. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have three crazy tech stories for you from a larger series of talks presented in association with PubNub and GitHub at GitHub's San Francisco location. Our first talk is from Pranava Aduri, founding engineer of Rubrik Inc. He provides some insightful productivity hacks using modern text editors. These are slide presentations, and for this series of talks, we added the Hacker Noon emoji set to augment and entertain. Head on over to the YouTube channel, click subscribe, and if you would, please leave some feedback about what you think in the comment section. Here's Pranava. So, my name is Pranava, and today I wanted to talk about productivity hacks with modern text editors. So, I know with text editors and such, there's a religious wars on which one's the best, and we'll get into that section as well. But for now, I wanted to first start off with why, right? So, when you're dealing with logs, or if you have a corpus of text that you need to do some operations with, have you ever wanted to just do a certain set of operations? You've kind of had all the logic in your head, and you're like, you know, I really wish I could write a script to do this, but, you know, the time that it would take to write the script is probably longer than just doing it manually, and you know what, I'm just going to do it manually. Anyone ever been in that situation? Cool, me too. Now, any hacker will say, you know what, Pranava, I understand your problem, and there's no shortage of command line tools to, to deal with these things, you know. You can use set and awk for transformations, slash any other Turing complete tool. You can use editors like Vim and Max, or any other operating system, I mean command line editor for this. And if your goal is to execute a bunch of commands in parallel, or you can use something like Xarc. So between these three things, you can get a lot done in the command line. But for me, I'm actually a very visual learner, and so a lot of command line things just don't make sense to me. One could say I chose the wrong profession on that. That regard, but uh, <laughs> but I'm a visual learner. So this is why I wanted to talk about modern text editors, actually. Why? Because they're visual. And a lot of the modern ones, they've actually built a lot of features to be intuitive, such as multi-select, regex find and replace. And we'll go into a short demo of this. And as a result, the combination of the first two things, they're actually really great for hacking things together. Just a quick show of hands. Does anyone use Atom here? All right, maybe, okay. A Sublime? All right, a little bit more. Anyone use VS Code? All right, so actually I personally use a combination of Sublime and VS Code. I use VS Code for my day-to-day -day coding and I use Sublime for any text processing that I need to do. The next slide, I'll show you a quick demo of something I wanted to do, but the idea is basically, there's nothing mind-blowing or earth-shattering that I'm gonna show you, it's actually pretty obvious, but the idea is that you can use multi-select behavior and regex find and replace to do some pretty powerful things pretty quickly. So, let's get started. Demo. So, the goal of this exercise is to find the frequency of words per sentence. Next, once you have this frequency, print the word frequencies per sentence. This is clearly a very useful exercise, you know. Lots of practical value, <laughs> but it shows off some features, right? So, the way I want to approach this is I have a corpus of text. What I want to do is transform this into a nested array of words, where then I will actually transform it into a Python array. You can actually do it into any scripting language of your choice, but the idea is quickly transform this into an array and then write some logic on top of it. So, what I actually did is I broke it out into two separate files. One is sample.txt and one is textstats.py. You can actually just write the Python code directly inline, but for the purposes of this, I broke it out. At some point, I will click on this in the demo. There we go. Cool. So, so ideally, if I had a sentences array, I could write some quick Python code where for each sentence in this array, I would create a default dict, which is the frequency, and for each word in that sentence, I would take the lowercase representation of that word, I would increment the frequency of that word by one, and then for each word and the count of that word, I would print out the word and its count, and I would print a new line, just for good formatting, you know? So now all I need for this code to work is actually the sentences array, right? Okay, how do I make the sentences array? 
So let's start with showing off some sublime features. I can find Command F or Control F, depending on which platform you're on, and I can type in a space. So now, you can see that when I type in space, Sublime automatically highlights all the spaces that are there. If I hit Find All, here's the cool part. In addition to just finding them, it actually gives me a cursor at every one of those points. So actually what I can do is I can hit Delete, and it'll actually get rid of all those spaces, and the cursor is still there which means I can hit return and I get them all in new lines now, right? Okay, so now is where you can start getting creative, right? I've got all my words in a new line. Now, the goal was to create a nested array, right? So I wanna transform this gradually into Python code. So what am I gonna do next? I'm gonna select caret, which in regex is the first part of every line, right? So now I have a cursor at the beginning of every one. Let's insert a quote, all right? Now I can use command write to get to the end of the word boundary which is actually important, is that it didn't catch the period or the comma. This is important. Now we can go ahead and insert another quote. Okay, so now we've started to form strings, right? Now, next step in an array, you need some commas, right? So let's add a comma next to each one. Now we've got to deal with some edge cases, right? Our sentence boundaries have a comma period, and punctuation marks have comma commas. The nice thing is, because it's just find and replace, you can search for all these exceptions and deal with it in line, right? So comma commas, I'll just replace with a comma. And now comma periods, these are where I actually form my boundaries, right? So I want a nested array of words which means I'll find all my comma periods, which are my boundaries for sentences. What I'm gonna do next is I'm actually going to insert a bracket before this comma, right? And that actually forms the end of my array. After the comma, I will begin a bracket, and that'll begin the beginning brace of my next array. And now because Sublime is smart, it creates an addition one, so I'll get rid of that. And so now I basically have a bunch of arrays. And now all that's left for me to do is handle the boundary conditions, right? So on the bottom, because it was a mass find and select, I get these artifacts that I'm gonna replace. So the very last one, I convert it into a closing brace. And at the top, I'm going to insert a opening brace for that particular array. And now the last thing I need to do is just close off the top and insert another bracket. And now I have my nested array of arrays, which are all the words. So now I have sentences actually. And so now I can just copy this, paste it into the first line here where sentences actually is. And voila, I have a script now that'll actually get me the original objective. So now, hopefully, well actually it will actually work because I recorded this. <laughs> but I can just run text stats and I get the outcome that I want, right? For every single sentence, I've printed the frequency of each word and I've done it for every single sentence. So yeah, that's kind of the example I had prepared for you guys today. But basically the idea here is this. When I first started doing this, I was embarrassed to show it to anyone because I was like, oh, this is like not like high quality code. It's like embarrassing. It's like super hacky. But then I was like, why does it matter? As long as I'm able to get through my workloads, as long as I'm able to quickly do stuff, how does it matter? I'm getting my stuff done. So like I said, this is not rocket science. It's not like blow your mind. But if anyone hasn't tried this type of stuff before, you know, I hope you can make your life a little easier. Thank you so much to Hacker Noon for having this event, and AWIP loves you guys for helping us with our content. Cool. That was Pranava Aduri, founding engineer of Rubrik Inc. You can find him on hackernoon.com slash at Piaduri. This next talk is from Lily Chin, senior software engineer at Apollo.io. She discusses how adding too many features can be a bad thing, and sometimes less is more. Here's Lily. I'm Lily. Thank you all for coming and giving me this opportunity to speak in front of you. So for some background context, Apollo.io is an all-in-one sales software. We offer data as well as engagement solutions to anybody who may be building out their sales stack. And for this talk, I'm going to be talking about something that's very relevant in my own career as a software engineer. It's a lesson that I've had to learn the hard way, and it's a lesson that's applicable to my job right now. This lesson is about how having too many features can lead to a worse user experience. So let's start with a story. I was on Netflix last night. I was browsing through to find a good movie to watch, and I started at 8 p.m., and by the time 10 o'clock hits, I was like, okay, this is not gonna work. I'm just gonna go on Reddit instead. Now, has this happened to anyone before? 
Yeah, cool. Yeah, last night, this was not the first time it happened either. You know, so what happened here? Well, what happened was choice paralysis. So I was given too many choices and it led to a worse user outcome. You know, it's kind of like when I woke up this morning, I looked at my wardrobe and I was like, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> but you know, that's not very true. So how does that relate to software development? In some way, having a lot of features is similar to having a lot of choices. It leads to worse user outcome and choice paralysis. As an engineer, I love to build features. This past year at Apollo, I worked on eight really big features. This was great for my own personal growth as an individual contributor, probably why I got promoted senior engineer in the last month. And also it made Apollo an extremely powerful sales tool. But even though Apollo is powerful from the technical standpoint, how was it actually for the end user? We quickly learned that having powerful engineering software does not mean better user outcome. I've seen over and over again, it's so easy to get into this mentality of, oh my god, we need to have this feature because we're trying to solve this one use case. And if we have this one feature X, then it also makes sense to add Y. And before you know it, you get a page that looks like this. This is our prospecting tool. This is the tool that Frank, who's a sales development rep at Apollo, we use to find potential leaders of sales at other companies you know, to reach out and sell our software too. And you know, there's a lot going on, as you can see. You know, so many buttons. I wish there's some parsing to find out exactly how many links is in there, but it's probably thousands. And you have to trust me when I say this, that if you work in sales and you're trying to find people to talk to, every single use case that you can think of is considered here because the people who made this app are very detail-oriented. So we thought, you know, if we give users everything they could possibly want, they must be happy, right? But we quickly learned, you know, that's not the case. Users, you know, find it very difficult to use, they don't really know what to do. And that's been a general trend in the Pendle survey that we've been getting back. So we have this super powerful software that spent months on, and in the end, people thought that it was buggy. Luckily, Apollo has a culture of learning, and curiosity is one of our core values. And being in a culture that values learning, we quickly learn that we need to cut things down. And this is exactly what we did. So we removed a lot of the buttons on the top, we removed a lot of filters, and just simplify things. And even though this version does not have nearly as many functionalities, you cannot do nearly as many things as you could have in the previous version, people loved it a lot more. What this suggests is that when you have too many functionalities, like functionality for functionality's sake, it actually takes away how users perceive your software to be. It takes away the power that your software offers. Apollo is not the first, and nor will it be the last startup to learn this hard lesson. Jarvis Poole gave a UX talk a few years ago about this exact trend that he saw over and over again, which is when you have an MVP, your first release, you have a few features, and everybody loved it. And you get all excited, and suddenly, there's so many features, and it leads to this term as experience rot, or feature fatigue. And now, what smart companies like Apollo are doing right now is we take the features that customers actually use and we cut down the rest. So the lesson is, less is more. Be problem-oriented. When there's a feature, don't do a feature for feature's sake. Ask, is this necessary and what problem is this trying to solve? Who is this really helping? And yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs>
That was Lily Chen, senior software engineer at Apollo.io. You can find her on Hacker Noon at Lily Chen Dances. Our third and final talk comes from Jordan Schwetz, developer advocate at MuleSoft, but at the time he was in developer relations with PubNub, the sponsor. And he was there to sing its praises. Here's Jordan. So I work in developer relations at Pubna. Basically, my job is to educate developers and to get them excited about what we're doing at Pubna and how to use our APIs. So a little background on me. I used to be an independent video game developer, and it's been awesome because I've been able to write content for Hacker Noon, and we've been able to reach a developer community and educate developers through Hacker Noon, and that's why we're sponsoring this. So in today's world, right, we're all connected. Everyone has a phone in their pocket. Everyone has a laptop, and we don't have time to wait for that data to go between devices. So like, let's say you're calling your Uber. You want to see where your Uber is located on the map, and you don't have time to wait. We want this stuff to happen in real time, and when we're sending a Facebook message to someone, we want someone to get that message in real time and we want it to be delivered. And so that's what we're trying to do at PubNet. We're trying to solve these problems for developers so that they can build this themselves in the most easy way possible. So basically what we do is we offer this real-time as a service data stream network. So essentially we host all the backend for you and all you have to do as a developer, implement a simple API, and then we basically handle all that for you so you can send messages in real time with our platform. So it's basically broken down into three things. We're able to connect devices together. So whether you have an IoT device, whether you have your cell phone, your laptop, we can basically connect these devices together. And we have 70 SDKs, so it doesn't matter what platform you're developing for, we can connect them. And then we can basically deliver messages between these devices really quickly in less than a quarter of a second globally. So we basically do currently over double the global SMS traffic and messages on our platform. So we're sending double the global SMS traffic which is absolutely insane. And then we're able to control these messages. So let's say you want to send a message from one device in English, and then you want to do some real-time language translation on that message. You can basically do that with our serverless platform. And so it's just really cool because you can basically manipulate the messages as it goes through the stream. Some customers that are using us, Peloton, are you guys familiar with Peloton? They basically create these exercise bicycles, but the way that they wanted to build their platform is they wanted to connect users together so you could exercise with people online, like in different countries in real time. And they needed a way to bridge this gap for people so that they could have real-time exercise classes on their actual exercise machine. So they use PubNub to basically solve this issue for them and they're live with it right now and they're a huge customer of ours and we're basically allowing people to exercise together in real time together. It's really awesome. And then Swiggy is basically India's largest food delivery platform. So similar to Uber Eats, but this is in India. So it's huge. They just got one billion in funding. They're valued at 3.3 billion. And basically all of their order tracking and all of their real-time information is being used by the PubNub platform. So it's really awesome to see that we are powering that. So since I'm a game developer, I have this game. And if you guys have your laptop, you can go to it and you can play it in real time to kind of see how PubNub works. Hopefully I don't mess up your guys' slides here, but I just wanted to show this off. So I wrote this in an open source game engine called Phaser. And essentially you can see that I'm this little ninja cat moving around. And if other people join the lobby, they can basically move their character around. And all that information is happening in real time. And that's using the PubNub API. And then down here, we have a chat room. And so you can chat with people that are in the lobby. And you'll be able to see those messages happening in real time. So it's really easy to get started. PubNub is free to sign up. So I definitely recommend you try it out for yourself. And um, yeah, that, that's it. So thank you, guys. 
That was Jordan Schwetz, developer advocate at MuleSoft. You can find him on Hacker Noon at Jordan Schwetz. That's it for today, y'all. You can find the slides and videos for these presentations on youtube.com slash hackernoon. Please do subscribe and be sure to follow us on social media. Also, you can check out what's going on in the community at community.hackernoon.com. For Crazy Tech Stories, I'm Derek Bernard. Over and out.